This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. I'm Dr. Tanya Bailey, and welcome to Arts, Artists, and Advocates, a podcast-based broadcast. You can find content on demand at lccconnect.com. Go ahead, log on and do it today. Arts, Artists, and Advocates is a series of conversations and performances that explores diversity, equity, and inclusion through the arts and activism. We're highlighting the work of people on our campus and in our community that's making a difference. Activist Rosa Parks once said, I had no idea that history was being made. I was just tired of giving up. It's quotes like these that reminds us the importance of advocacy. Well, today on Arts, Artists, and Advocates, we are proud to feature Lucy Solis. Yes, a good friend of mine. A round of applause as our special guest. She embodies the spirit of those legends such as Rosa Parks, who influences every day the spirit of community activism. In fact, that's today's show title, Community advocacy. So please, let's welcome to the show, Lucy. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a great conversation. I've longed to have you on the show. So thank you for saying yes. Give our listeners a little bit of background about you, where you're from, and how does where you're from affect the work that you do? Sure. So um, I was uh, born in Battle Creek, but mm. I grew up here in Lansing. I've been here since a toddler. Okay. Um, was raised by a single dad, mm. raising two girls on his own in the 80s. Um, went through um, our trials and tribulations, mm-hmm. but with the help of the community resources and advocacy, it helped us wow. get through that hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad ended moving us to, uh, we went to Lansing schools and he ended up moving us to Waverly. Okay. And which is a big difference from city schools back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I went through a little hard time as a lot of teenagers Mm -hmm. and, um, ended up pregnant as a teenager Mm -hmm. and, uh, homeless and sleeping in my car as a teenager. And, um, the community resources and advocacy helped me so much. And that's why it's so passionate. Oh my, what a story. Have you ever thought about writing a book? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe a movie. Uh, I'm already just leaning in to your story and the conversation um, that you started us off in and telling us about your, your history and where you're from. I want to, I want to read a quote by one of my sheroes, Maya Angelou. Uh, The quote reads this. I learned a long time ago, the wildest thing I could do is to be on my own side, be an advocate for myself and others like me. This is one of my favorite quotes, but it speaks a lot to community advocacy. What does it say to you and the work that you do around advocacy and activism? 
the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear that quote is mm-hmm. speaking up and taking action. Mm. And I think that's really powerful um, in our community, but a lot of people have a fear of stepping up and speaking up because of experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so within my work, it, it took me a long time to get to speak up. Okay. Um, I had to battle some you know, uh, insecurities and mm-hmm. fears that I had. And I see that in the community. And hopefully as a community, all of us, we can come together and help people. Yeah, I love it. You know, to me, um, it's, uh, something that you just said that helping one another is important, mm-hmm. but getting over that fear, the fear to even just step out and, and maybe volunteer with the community or organization or the fear of taking advantage of resources. Have you experienced um, in your work just that fear or helping people overcome the fear of taking advantage of community resources? Absolutely. In healthcare, I felt um, when I was on um, assistance, um, mm-hmm. I felt like I was a number. I felt mm-hmm. like I was not treated like a human being. Mm-hmm. And working in healthcare and seeing a lot of um, people come in who didn't have insurance or would have Medicaid, um, I understood that. And mm-hmm. my job was to go above and beyond to make them feel yes. like you are just like anyone else and you matter. You know, because I know what it feels like to be that number. You just said my two favorite words. I say it to everyone and uh, that I come in contact with, and that is you matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of us that are listening and are out in the world today don't hear that enough. And so I love the fact that you're an advocate uh, to making sure people know that they, they matter and that it's important. Uh, I wanted to hear a little bit about who some of your biggest uh, activists may have been, some of your favorites or who have influenced you to do what you do. I'll have to say my biggest out of everybody mm-hmm. is Mother Teresa. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. She loves people unconditionally. Yeah. She doesn't care where they're from or how bad they're sick or diseased. Yes. She just loves everyone and treats them equally. Uh, such a great role model for sure. Well, listen, I love to play games. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got a game that we do here on the show called If. Uh, And it's basically me asking you a statement and you responding to it without thinking much about it. Okay, so take your thinking cap off and just let your heart flow. Okay. Here's the first question. If diversity was a food or a cereal, what would it be for you? Fruit salad. Fruit salad. Okay, let's talk about it. Why? (laughs) Because you have all different types of fruits. Yes. There's no more, one more than the other. Mm Mm-hmm. It's all good. <laughs> it's all it all good. works together. <laughs> I'm hungry already. <laughs> yeah, fruit salad. You know, that's... Thank you. Yeah, you just won the prize. <laughs> Diversity is about variety. You know, um, it's about celebrating the difference and celebrating our uniqueness. You got that. Okay, two more questions. Okay. Here's the second one. If equity was an animal, what would it be for you and why? Um, I, I was... I'm going to say a dog Mm. and I'm going to tell you because they are loyal. Mm -hmm. They adapt to different animals in the house. That's good. They love the owner no matter who it is. Yes. Um, Yeah. I like that. I've never, I've never, there you go again. (laughs) Two for two. (laughs) Doing great. I've never heard uh, that analogy before, but it makes really good sense. They're a social animal. The social animal, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. making sure all those varying needs, you know, is met. I love that. That's equity for sure. Okay. Here's your final question. You're two for two. You're doing great. Okay. If inclusion was a song, what would it be like? And I'm not going to ask you to sing it, but what would it, what would it be like? What would be some of the lyrics? Inclusion to me is we are the world. Oh, 
my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorites. I'm not going to sing it, but. <laughs> we are the world. We are the world. I, I won't <laughs> sing it. <laughs> and why? Why? Because I remember watching that like on MTV as a kid. Yes. And it had everybody on it. And it was helping people. And mm-hmm. it was trying to make the world better. I mean, you had Michael Jackson and I think oh. Bruce Springsteen. And you had like. Everybody. Everyone. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one of my all time favorites. And it does represent inclusion mm-hmm. It includes everybody's voice. So great, great, great response. Give it up for Lucy. <laughs> you won Thank the you. game called If. We'll have to bring you back on here for the, you know, the final match or championship. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, so excited. Okay. So we're going to move into our next segment of the show. Um, that's really talking more so about our topic today. And we're talking about community advocacy. More than ever, I think community advocacy is needed. Um, And we're right here today talking to Lucy Solis. I'm so excited that she's here. You're probably telling my voice, everybody. Um, Define for us, what does advocacy mean to you? So again, kind of what we're talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. speaking up, taking action, Mm -hmm. doing um, something, not just sitting there, um, to ensure that all people and their voices are heard. Mm -hmm. And um, an advocate advocate for their human rights. Yeah. You know, and for whatever their rights are and what they're trying to think what they're having, you know, what, what, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think. No, no, it's good. No, more like their passions or their, um, what they're, or what they're feeling that they're, yeah. Or what they're feeling they're not having someone advocate for. Mm. I That's see. what I was trying to say. I see. No, no. You're, you're, you're free to be at home here on the show. Right. Don't worry about it. Is <laughs> your definition of advocacy, and I agree with it. Um, tell us when you began doing work around advocacy uh, for others. Um, so it was young. Um, it was because of how I was treated. Okay. Um, and I worked in a place where most people didn't look like me or have the same circumstances as me, and it was really hard I felt my my personal opinion to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I was trying to fit in, you know, and a lot of people were physicians and nurses mm. and I felt like I was this poor single mom, you See, know, on welfare. Yeah. And I, and then I saw how people that would come in um, as patients felt like they were treated differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of times we feel more connected to a matter or issue when it has impacted us personally, mm-hmm. you know, so I can feel that resonating from you as, as you talk about that experience. And it does cause for us to develop a, a sense of empathy and more importantly, you know, a, a level of action that we tend to take. Uh, and today we're talking about that. We're talking about community uh, advocacy. I, I want to read you another quote around community um, and see what your thoughts are. And this one is from a very famous uh, individual. Um, trailblazer in her own right, uh, Coretta Scott King. And uh, she said, the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassion action of its members. What would you say to that? Agree, disagree? What would you, would you say? It's, I love it. It's so true. And like you said about relating to people and taking mm-hmm. care of people, I don't fault anyone who's never been in my circumstances. Those are choices I made. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can come to try to understand and have that conversation and have passion to help and come together as a community, because community is everyone, right? Yes. And I, I always felt more comfortable with people who looked like me or in my same circumstances. And I think from what I saw, that's why sometimes it recycles, mm-hmm. because sometimes people are scared to 
mm. come out of that comfort zone. So I think if we can come together, make people comfortable and it's okay. You know, like she said, the, I'm trying to read the quote here. It's greatness. Yeah. It's compassion. Mm -hmm. You know, you know um, I think when we talk about community advocacy, mm -hmm. we're really looking for people uh, to not be afraid to speak up for others. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I like to break up the word community into two parts, common unity. Um, and mm -hmm. what would happen if we had that common unity amongst each other that advocated for each other's rights and advocated for more resources and, and directed those uh, paths? That to me is kind of like my why uh, for the work that I do around advocacy in my community. What's your why? What's your why for doing advocacy? Well, why is because of my experience. Okay. Of course, that's the big one. And yeah. then, like you said, speaking up, I think people are scared. I mm -hmm. think there's a disconnect. You're mm -hmm. not going to feel like someone is going to accept you or like mm -hmm. you um, and understand your circumstances. So bridging, bridging people together mm -hmm. and helping them understand. Because once I stepped out of that fear, it helped me. Nice. You know, um, there's some that I'm sure are listening today and they're wondering, well, what can I do? How can I get involved? You know, what uh, what would be the first step for someone that that is hearing something like this for the first time to be um, less fearful and more active? What would you uh, what advice would you give to them to be more involved with community mm -hmm. and advocacy? I would uh, what your passion is for. Like my passion was food because I've gone a lot with Yes, food. food insecurity. And yeah. I've gone um, to food banks. And so I wanted to volunteer there. I stepped out of my comfort zone to help. Mm. And then I brought people that weren't comfortable with that to the food bank. I love so it. stepping out of your comfort zone and going to do something and volunteer something to help other people. Yeah. You know, there is so many needs if we would just look and see, mm -hmm. right? I like to say, just pick a place and start. Yep. Uh, for those that might be listening, figuring out how do I get involved? Because I'm inspired by Lucy's story. I'm inspired that um, what her struggles have been, she's overcome and then are helping those with similar struggles. I'm so excited you're on the show today. I've got just a few more questions before we get out of here. Uh, we have a segment on, on the show uh, that talks about getting comfortable with uncomfortable topics, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is a show that is talking a lot about diversity, equity, inclusion. And so the topic of race obviously comes up in our conversation. Could you talk to us, our listeners, about your earliest recollection of your racial identity? Sure. So elementary school, mm -hmm. um, kids wouldn't play with me because they called me a brownie. Mm. Or in the summertime, they called me burnt brownie. Mm. And it was hurtful. Um, when you got to middle school and high school, I was called Beaner and Nacho. Wow. And yeah, it kind of stuck with you, you know. Yeah. In high school, mm -hmm. being called those types of names, how how did you overcome that and just get comfortable in your racial identity? Well, at the time, I didn't. I I, mm -hmm. I, I accepted it because I was out. I felt like I was outnumbered, mm -hmm. and so I accepted it. Um, I. You know, you, you have these experiences. I, I had a patient that um, when I was 20 years old, I was a phlebotomist mm -hmm. and I was going to draw blood. And I was so excited because I was getting everybody's drawn the first poke. <laughs> and um, I go into a patient's room and Mr. So-and-so, my name's Lucy. I'm here to draw your blood. And he said, who's here to draw your blood? And I said, I am. And he said, ain't no fat color girl going to touch me. Get the bleep out of my room. Wow. And to what, what I learned was that for so long, because I was so young and impressionable, I thought, all older white men thought that of me. Mm. So I was scared. So I had to have experience with all different types of people yes. and different backgrounds to learn that that's not 
the case. True. Yes. It was that one individual, but mm. I can understand why people have fear based on experiences. What a story. You know, our acceptance of our own identity, regardless of race, is so important. We have a lot of negativities. You just ex- you just described a of, of, a real real life um, example of that. But allowing our listening audience to understand the importance of br- embracing yourself. Um, every may everybody may not be your cup of tea, mm-hmm. as I like to say, um, but you have to be able to drink from your own cup, right? So, mm-hmm. um, what would you say to someone that's listening? We have a lot of college students that listen to our our show and um, that might be struggling with their identity because. Uh, they haven't felt accepted or been rejected in many instances. What what word of hope would you give to them? I was going to say hope when you said hope. <laughs> you can <laughs> say that. I always use hope. But it, it's hard. It's very hard and it's not going to happen overnight, but self-love. And mm. um, like the quote in the beginning when we talked about owning, um, yes. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't remember it verbatim, but loving oneself. Yes. You have to, and it's not easy to do, but you just have to believe in it. Yeah. Um, you're talking about the Maya Angelou quote. Yes. We talk, it's, yes. Uh, she said, I learned a long time ago, the wildest thing I can do is to be on my own side, mm-hmm. be an advocate for myself and others like me. Uh, we send that out to every listener that might be struggling right now in your identity and just feeling rejected. And that's straight from the heart of Lucy today. <laughs> okay. So, um, there are so many different projects. I know that you're involved in the community. Why don't you shout out a few of those and then let folks know how they can reach you to support, help, or get involved. Absolutely. So I'm involved with a lot of things. Um, almost every food, um, distribution I try to mm-hmm. be at throughout the city. So I'm throughout different ones, uh, through the food bank, through mm-hmm. the city of Lansing. Um, I am part of the NAACP, nice. part of the Lansing Latino Health Alliance and Tri-County Office of Aging. Wow. Uh, so it sounds like you're kind of busy. <laughs> um, if you if you want to get in touch with Lucy or find out some of the passions that she's doing in the community to be an advocate, how could they reach you or what would you have them do to connect? Um, They can email me. Okay, you can give your email out. Sure, it's Luciana, L-U-C-I-A-N-N-A dot Solis, S-O-L-I-S at LansingMI.gov. You got it. Listen, I am encouraging each of you to um, allow Lucy's story to be an inspiration. She's one of the reasons why I wanted her to come on the show, uh, to be raised by a single father, to experience food insecurity, homelessness, uh, to go through a very, very tough industry, sometimes in our healthcare uh, industry, and then to now give back every single day by making sure others that have similar experiences that she has had does not feel the the depth that she had to experience. What a trooper and a champion for community advocacy. Thank you so much for being on the show. Any final words you want to say? I'm just thankful for having me. Thank you so much. (laughs) You will be back, I promise. Listen, thank you so much for tuning in to Arts, Artists, and Advocates, a podcast-based broadcast. Remember, you can find content on demand at lccconnect.com. Go ahead, log on and do it today. Arts, Artists, and Advocates is a series of conversations, performances that explores diverse equity, and inclusion through the arts and activism. We're highlighting the work of people on our campus as well as those in our community that's making a difference. I've been your host, Dr. Tanya Bailey, and I'm reminding you that you matter. We'll see you next time.
keep connected with LCC Connect at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Lansing Promise Scholarship, offering graduating high school seniors who live within the Lansing School District and attend a high school within district boundaries an opportunity to attend LCC. The scholarship offers 65 credits over the course of four years from high school graduation. For more information on the Lansing Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu slash hope. MidMichigan Recovery Services is committed to inspiring hope by providing a safe environment, teaching and modeling healthy lifestyles for all impacted by substance use disorders. We know recovery is possible because we've been serving Lansing area community members since the late 1950s with education and advocacy. We added treatment services in the late 1960s, providing residential treatment, outpatient and intensive outpatient treatment services, and also housing services to community members struggling with substance use disorders. Please let us know what we can do to help you to engage with services or support for substance use disorders. Our phone number is 517-887-0226 or you can go online to mmrsinc.org to find out more information about our services. Lansing Community College's Fresh Start program forgives outstanding student balances, allowing students to re-enroll without penalty. Fresh Start does not apply to student loan creditors. Learn more at lcc.edu slash fresh start. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hey, hey, hey. This is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. On Who's That Star today, we have someone that has been in their career field for over 46 years. He is a native of northwestern Pennsylvania. He's a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Can't wait to find out how he decided to come to Michigan. He holds a bachelor's degree in industrial administration from General Motors Institute, GMI, now called Kettering University, and an MBA from Youngstown State University. He has worked in both the public and private sector with assignments as personnel director of the General Motors Lansing Stamping Plant, central office assignments in Lansing and Detroit. He also worked labor relation assignments at assembly plants in Linden, New Jersey, and Kansas City, Missouri. He has been a member of Lansing Community College family, I think, for about 14 years. And he's held, I think, two different leadership roles, but we're going to find out more about that shortly. He's a member of the Michigan Public Employer Labor Relations Association Boards of Director, and he currently serves as board president. 
He's also a member of Phi Beta Sigma fraternity, Lansing alumni chapter, serving, serving many roles in that organization. Not only that, he does other volunteering in the Lansing community. All right, everybody. Are you excited to find out who's today's star? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome James A. Mitchell to the show. We are so happy to have you here today, James. Well, thank you, Lisa. I am uh, uh, great. I feel great about being here. and I appreciate the invitation and look forward to the conversation. Me too. It's exciting because I had an opportunity. I met your wife before you. I knew your wife because she worked at the Lansing School District as a school social worker, and I was a school social worker. So it was a really, it was a trip when I found out that that's who your wife was. I was like, oh, wow, great to know that. But I want to find out about you today. So I want to um, know, like, can you tell me more about what you do here at LCC? Sure. I currently have the privilege of serving as the executive director of Human Resources, which means I have the privilege of uh, working with the uh, staff and leading the staff there uh, in areas uh, including uh, compensation, benefits, employment, uh, labor relations, and organizational uh, development are the primary ones. So I get to see kind of both sides of it, of it uh, because human resources are kind of the labor relations is one side dealing with employees, dealing with our, uh, with our unions, uh, which I enjoy, and then it's also dealing with the leadership group in a lot of uh, ways on the other side, in the, on the employment side. Uh, so it's, it's just a fantastic opportunity. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy serving at, at, at the college. Yeah, so as an executive director, I was thinking that you really didn't get your hands muddy, per se. Like you would be over everybody, but you do get an opportunity to play different roles, like in the labor relations. Like you would be there at the table, or like, are you an advisor? I'm not really uh, understand like what that role. Yeah. Is. Well, yeah. As far as uh, labor relations goes, I mean that was my previous role. I had that. I was the uh, labor relations and employee. Uh, relations director for like 12 years okay. and that's the longest time I've I've ever held any job okay. so I was really involved in the uh, collective bargaining process and I still am uh, since I enjoy that so much uh, we, we have a great staff but I am involved in the uh, negotiations okay. I was involved in the uh, bargaining of the last contracts okay uh, and then uh, in the administration I, I I'm not really into the day to day uh, items, mm -hmm. but but I am involved in it. I do meet with our uh, labor leaders on a regular basis, uh, so I'm involved in that way. Uh, then in the compensation and um, and and employment side, uh, I do get involved in the uh, uh, vacancy management process okay. and the budget process. So I, I do still have the privilege of interacting with employees at, at, at all levels. I do receive the uh, notices of employees who are 
going to uh, 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 retire, okay. et cetera, and I do interact with them. Uh, but it, it is uh, a leadership role, but I, uh, I see my role as trying to put the staff, and, and, and there's a great HR staff, just wonderful mm-hmm. uh, women and, and men, to try to put them in a position to, to be successful, mm-hmm. to support them, and to make sure they have what they need because they're, they're a, really a fantastic staff who they all know what their roles are mm-hmm. and, and they're very good at it. Okay, great. So I, I heard that you mentioned that you had did a, a previous position before the executive director. And what right. was that again? That was the uh, director of labor relations and employee relations. Okay. So when you got to LCC, you were in the private sector? Yes, I was. What made you transition from private to public? Well, it was primarily the uh, the economy, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Around 2008, you may recall. <laughs> I do. <laughs> there was a lot of things going on in the economy. General Motors was really struggling. Mm-hmm. I'd been with General Motors my entire uh, 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 career. The I had been the the uh, personnel director, as you mentioned in the beginning, at the stamping plant, it was called Plant 3 here, mm-hmm. but that plant closed. So I had a couple assignments down at the global uh, global headquarters at the Renaissance Center. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, things were going south for General Motors uh, economically. Right. And they offered... Uh, they offered early uh, uh, retirements, hey. so I thought I considered that. But while I was considering it, I uh, was looking for for other opportunities. So I reached out to some contacts that that I had. Uh, there was one of my uh, uh, one of my uh, fraternity brothers, George Blockett, who mm-hmm. did a lot of employment placement, and I called him up. And he said, well, there's this position at LCC that's uh, that's open, and I think you might be perfect for it. Mm-hmm. So I followed through, and kind of the rest is it's history. Is, is history huh? And I, I have, you know, I've really enjoyed my uh, opportunity to be a public servant here at the college. What do you like most about it? I really like the, uh, the people, the staff. The, the the great colleagues uh, in in all areas. I, I mentioned the HR staff, uh, the uh, the uh, union colleagues, uh, the employees. Uh, I really enjoy, you know, serving, trying to solve problems, put processes in place. So I really enjoy those those interactions. But then I also recognize that we're here to educate students. Mm-hmm. And while I don't have a direct role in it, I look at my role as helping others or putting others in a position so they can uh, perform that work. And one of my favorite things here is the uh, graduation ceremonies. Yeah. I mean, fun. it's so exciting to see those those uh, 
uh, young people graduate and their parents and, and they're so excited. And, you know, frequently, uh, you know, I've been in Lansing since 1989, so I, and I have a lot of contacts. But to see uh, children that I know, and they're not children anymore, graduating, mm-hmm. uh, members of my church, uh, or other, you know, just folks that I know through uh, through Jack and Jill and Phi Beta Sigma. But to see those individuals graduate, mm-hmm. it's it's just so exciting. It is, and yeah. you've been around a long time, so you probably seeing like uh, the children of children, maybe now. Are you getting there yet? Have you seen? Uh, that? I don't think I can claim that yet. Well, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're doing more of uh, you know the administrative aspect. I get to see. Yeah people's kids and now the kids is coming i'm like oh yeah that's awesome but i'm not that old so Uh i don't know how that's happening but um i wanted to know james like what's the career highlight you are most proud of wow uh i would say uh here at the at the college uh in the area of uh, of uh, labor uh, relations, I would say the uh, uh, the uh, resolution of of our contracts and the improving our the uh, the climate here. Mm-hmm. When I first started here, we had I don't know like forty grievances and things were not that well as far as how HR and and labor interacted with the uh, unions. So I think that's improved. Mm. I know there was a long stretch. Uh, this is when uh, when I was in my my former role, we went for over a year with, uh, with zero grievances. Mm-hmm. Now that's kind of picked up a little bit and the pandemics have had an effect on it. But just th- just that and uh, also recently over the last couple of bargaining cycles, we started to use the interest-based bargaining approach, Mm -hmm. which is really a a collaborative approach. And before that, it was more of a a, uh, traditional approach Mm -hmm. where we had uh, an attorney at the table, very chief spokesman, and that's what I was used to in the public sector. But we moved... uh, we moved away with that with the IBB, and we have it is a uh, facilitated process, mm-hmm. and we're able to uh, reach our uh, our agreements in a much more uh, open fashion. Mm-hmm. It's it's more it's it's like a team. Yeah, and as you go through the process, it's really interesting that as you go through the process and you have discussions at the at the table, uh, contrary to the to the uh, traditional approach where you have a chief spokesman and you're very structured and only the chief spokesman speaks. Mm-hmm. This is you know everybody can speak, and it, it gets to the point where. As, as, as you go through long, so long through the process, uh, it, it's not unusual for uh, individuals on the same side, either on the college or on the union side, not to agree with each other. And that's OK. Mm-hmm. It's more of a 
of, of a kind of a buffet of ideas and, and interactions, and it's just a lot more positive. So that's what I would say. Those, um, those improvements in the area of, of, of our labor uh, processes, I think, are the, what I would say. I, I don't proud isn't the right word, but I think I've been fortunate to be part of it and see that change. I mean, and I think, too, that, you know, in the position that you're in to want that, like, collaboration and to want yeah. to hear more voices, right? Sure. That's a great That's a great thing because you get more ideas when you hear more voices. Right. And I, I do have to confess, I was not easily uh, convinced to even try it. I was really skeptical. But uh, you probably know... Uh, uh, Giselle Oliver, who's our MEA, MEA mm-hmm. uh, director here. And uh, she talked to me about it for a long time before I said, hey, you know, maybe, maybe I'll try it because I was skeptical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that I see it, I'm now that I've been involved in it. I'm a I'm I'm a full uh, convert. Hey, and, and that's uh, the thing about it. At least you gave yeah. it a try, you know, right, and yeah. then and, and it's worked out. And yep. that's a good thing. So. I'm glad. It seems like you enjoy what you do and you do a good yeah. job at it. Um, I want to ask you, how did you end up in Michigan? Well, you know, I, I worked for uh, for uh, uh, General Motors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you talked in the bio there, I, I had the opportunity to move around to different uh, places, primarily to get an opportunity for a higher uh, uh uh, position. Mm-hmm. So I had worked as I started at the Lordstown, Ohio plant. I went to Linden and, and this was all on the labor side, mm-hmm. uh, Linden, uh, New Jersey, then uh, Kansas City. So when I was in Kansas City, uh, I was over the uh, labor aspect of it, labor safety, etc. that side of it. Well, that plant closed. Mm. So, you know, we went through the whole closing process and people were looking for homes. And I was fortunate enough to get an assignment here in Lansing at at the old uh, Oldsmobile headquarters. Mm -hmm. So that's what brought me to Michigan and and brought me to Lansing. But as, as we talked about, or as you mentioned earlier, I went to undergraduate school at GMI, and that's in Flint. So yeah, I how did you get there? Like, time in Michigan. Did you, like, from Pennsylvania to look at that when you were, did you come, I guess, the first question, when you were younger? Like, when you yeah, were out of I high came, school? I came right out of high how school. How did you, like, notice, like, were because I'm saying that they got other schools in Pennsylvania. Sure. What yeah, drew that, you to that? That's a great question. And actually, uh, they were looking for... Uh, for increasing the uh, diversity. Mm-hmm. So there was a uh, recruiter that came to my high school. In fact, it was a friend of my family, and he was actually a member of my my grandfather's church. Okay. Uh, because, I, well, both of my grandfathers were pastors, but he, he was one. So, and, well, his name was Leon Ponder. So he came to the high school, and they were looking for... Uh, for uh, African um, Americans, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I had the right, the right uh, background as right far because you that's as not as easy science, yeah. science yeah. And, and math, 
And, you know, it really sounded almost too good to be true because I was really concerned about things uh, economically. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a sister. My older sister was, uh, she's a a couple years older than me, although she tries to say I'm older now. But (laughs) anyway, I'm not not getting into that. But but my older sister was at, she was in an undergrad at, at uh, Brown uh, a University, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, our family, you know, it was a kind of a struggle for her. In fact, my mother had gone back to work. She had been a stay-at-home mom, mom and then when it got time for us to, to start going to college, uh, she went back to work. Mm. Uh, and so... I was looking at a number of different things, and when this, you know, the thing about General Motors Institute, it was almost too good to be true because it was a co-op work-study program where you would go to school for six weeks, and then you would work for for six weeks all year round. Wow. There were only like three weeks off, and you you were able to make enough money so that you could pay for your schooling and you know other thing I was blessed to be able to to afford a car because wow. one of the things was when I was uh in my work section I was able to stay at home mm-hmm. so so that really helped so economically it just made sense and they uh said that you know they guaranteed you a job after you uh, graduated okay it was a it was a 5 year program uh, with a thesis at the end, mm-hmm. so you know I, I really latched onto it for for economic reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it was a great program, and they had the engineering side, and then they had the industrial administration was the other option. Right. And I didn't know much about engineering, but I just saw more like drawing on boards and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I said I'm not really that interested in that, but I would really. Liked, I like the idea of leading and managing people and getting into the business side. So that's what I, that's kind of how I arrived there. That's how I said, hey, I would like to, 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 to go to GMI. And this came about really near the end of my senior year because I was planning to go to uh, Washington University in, in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. But so I had never even been to the campus. Right. But I just said, yeah, it sounds like a like a good thing. And as yeah. we just said earlier, kind of the the rest is history. Right. Yeah. It yeah. worked out for sure. Yeah. So this question, I'm kind of going to um, I want to ask you a little bit about your hobbies. But I want to ask this question because I know you really don't have any uh, what they say, meat in the game or whatever. Uh, go green or go blue. Oh, definitely go green. Okay, I good. mean, no, no, no question. Now, uh, well, you know my wife, yes. uh, Viola, who uh. has two uh, a, a degrees from MSU. Okay, my son went to MSU, but even further back than that, when I grew up in my hometown in in Farrell, Pennsylvania, uh, one of uh, one of the basketball stars. I mean, basketball was was the big sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had teams that won like seven championships over about. 20 years. Uh, but in any event, uh, there was a, a player who came to Michigan State. His name was uh, Julius McCoy. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. So I'd heard about Michigan State, and I knew Michigan State was one of the first uh, major colleges to have African-American athletes. So I knew about Michigan State, so I was always positive toward it. So... And then when I moved here, and like I said, my wife and my and, and my son graduated from there. I, I will admit that my daughter was kind of a she was away from the mainstream. She went to the place down in in uh, Ann Arbor. Okay. But 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 we still love her. That's right. That's uh, right. That's no, a, it's no, a seriously. good school. Yep. Yep. It is a good school. So uh we had that little friction <laughs> in the family. But I I will just I mentioned one quick story about that because I mentioned my my wife is a Spartan and my daughter decided to go to U of M. So we we'll go down there for their graduate for their uh, orientation, uh-huh. you know, when they take parents to all this stuff. And we listen to it. I mean, it's a great school. I mean, they're, you know, uh, but I, I definitely like to go green than than go blue. But in any event, at the very end of the orientation, we were down there for a day. We took the tour and all that stuff. They're in the auditorium, and then they uh, start playing the Michigan fight song, and they stand up and start singing. So, you know, I take my cues from from uh, from uh, Viola. You know? <laughs> so I kind of looked at her. She looked at me. She said, I'm going to stand, but I ain't singing. <laughs> I said, I'm with you. That's right. right. We're going to support our child, right. but we're not going yeah. too far. Right. For sure. Well, yeah. I I love that. I'm glad to hear it. Um, I just wanted to ask you, because I know this is a really important part. You are part of uh, a member of Phi Beta Sigma yes. fraternity. But you also, you do volunteering as well, and you do in a lot of sure. different organizations. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind taking a couple of moments just talking about some of the things that you're doing outside of your work and, okay. and you know, pleasure. Sure. sure. One of the things, one of my passions really is I, my church. I'm a member of the West Lansing uh, Church of God, and my, my faith is a, just a big part of my life. So one of my passions there is I teach the adult Sunday school class. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that since I don't know 2006 maybe, and and I and I really enjoy it. Uh, just uh, preparing the uh, lesson so it uh, requires that I that I study the word and the lesson, mm-hmm. and we've got uh, well our our pastor sits in the class and. We have some people that are very knowledgeable, so they keep me on my toes. Right, but but it's it's, it's really a good process. Uh, I also serve as a as a trustee, and also uh, I sing in a choir. And that's one of the things I really miss from the pandemic because we haven't gone back. Got you. We we've gone back to live services, but we haven't gone back to the choir mm-hmm. singing. And I just I can't sing, but I enjoy that that whole process. Right. I enjoyed, I really enjoyed the practices maybe more yeah. than the singing and the, the fellowship, et cetera. So, yeah, serving there. Uh, we also have uh, uh, vacation Bible school. In fact, I'm going to uh, help out with that. That's next week. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, we've got a backpack giveaway that we're going to do. I think it's, I'm not going to be able to participate in it because it's this Friday mm-hmm. and I'm going to be out of town. But those are the things that, that are really, you know, I, I really am and enjoy my 
my church family, mm-hmm. and they they put up with me, uh, <laughs> which is uh, a great thing, and I, I enjoy those those uh, uh, those interactions and, and that fellowship, seeing the young people in the church grow up, uh, and just just uh, interacting because there's just some really really great people there. So that's uh, that's a big area, and and you mentioned. Uh, Phi Beta Sigma. Uh, our our signature event is we do a youth workshop mm-hmm. where we have uh, high school uh, students come in, uh, and when we do a program, it's in February. We usually have a speaker, and uh, uh, that's that's a a big event. We have high school students from all over the the area and I actually had the privilege to to lead those workshops for about I think I did it for about seven years uh, we also have a foundation which we call our, our education fund mm-hmm. and we the education fund funds that workshop they also we also provide scholarships to high school students as well as as uh, as college students uh, so those are some of the things that the uh, that Phi Beta Sigma does. It, it really, uh, what drew me to it is that whole service aspect, right? Yeah, uh, and 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 the uh, volunteering. It seems like you you do that. I I saw that throughout your bio and different things that you like volunteering and like giving back into the community. And so I did want to highlight that. Unfortunately, our time is up, James. I could okay. talk to you all day. You, well, um, thank you. give uh, really good, informative answers, and I'm glad that we got a chance to learn about you today. So well, thank you. Thank you for coming. All right. Great. All right, everybody. Uh, I'm going to see you soon. Thanks and take care. You've been listening to Who's That Star? I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out Who's That Star. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's Business and Community Institute provides businesses with customized synergistic trainings that realize logistical opportunity. Learn more about the future of business today at lcc.edu bci. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. 
Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. That's DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Lansing Community College's downtown and West Campus offer newly renovated conference and event spaces that can accommodate over 500 attendees. Professional event planners are available to guide you through your experience from setup to catering. LCC offers convenient locations, state-of-the-art technology and hybrid meeting capabilities, in-house catering, free event parking, and on-site customer service. For more information about LCC's conference and event spaces or to request a rental quote, please contact LCC's conference services at lcc-events at lcc.edu. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. You're listening to Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. Designing art installations over time, um, the thought process usually starts out extremely ambitious. Um, sky's the limit in your mind, you know. And then over time, the projects usually suffer from a series of compromises, uh, budgetary constraints, logistics, and so on. And ultimately, the finished product usually turns out well, uh, but it never quite hits that, that mark that you originally had in your mind with regard to the wow factor. Once in a while, um, there will be a project that will go in the exact opposite direction. It'll start out modest and it'll wind up to be uh, fantastically well executed and exceed all expectations. This is one of those projects. Our CAD lab at uh, LCC West, uh, home of our technical careers division, our CAD lab, computer-aided design, was um, calling this room unremarkable is doing it a service, was doing it a service. It was a basic cinder block classroom with 15 or 20 or so workstations, CAD workstations for our students, and uh, extremely underwhelming with, uh, you know, just just very all business. I mean, there's nothing to it. And we wanted to do something more visually appealing than a mere wall graphic or just some color somewhere. There had to be something, something we could bring to bear to reflect the, the discipline that was being taught and understood in this space. So um, we started thinking about the ceiling. What could we do with the ceiling? Or we hang something from the ceiling? Without going through all the moves, describing all the different ideas we had, we wound up, we landed on building a coffer. I think that's what it's called, a coffer. It's a recessed area that goes up into the ceiling. I think this one, had, it was like 36 inches deep up into the ceiling, 10 or 12 feet wide by 20 feet long. I mean, it was pretty big, uh, painted black. And the thought was to, to build gears that would reside within the space. I mean, 3D, like actual built-out gears that would look like they were made of, of metal, right? And the, you know, the spur gears that you see in watches and manufacturing. So metaphors of interaction, they're called. 
So the next step was to, once again, as I've said before, figure out how are we going to do it. You know, we discussed all these different materials, plywood and, you know, cardboard and uh, nothing was taken off the table. And um, oddly, strangely, what we landed on was the uh, Owens Corning pink insulation, those large foam sheets that you see at the uh, big home improvement stores. The stuff is uh, very cost effective and very malleable and, and carvable, it turns out. And as luck would have it, LCC has a remarkable scene shop that supports our performing arts department with regard to building scenery for the, the various amazing plays that we, that we put on through the year. They had just acquired a new plotter, a cutting device, and it basically you could take a four foot by eight foot sheet of whatever and put it in there, and they'd put a cutting head on the stylus, and, and they would program something in, and it would cut, it would cut out the shape. And they could build various things for the scenes and the plays. Well, we, uh, through some very creative bargaining, getting students employed through the summer, uh, we had a team of students um, employed building giant gears. Uh, many of these gears, I think there were nine objects that wound up inside this coffer. Many of them were comprised of multiple layers of that Owens Corning pink insulation. I think it was like two inches thick. Some of these stacks were like 20 sheets thick because we wanted the gears to just descend from the ceiling, be very dramatic, right? We sent off the file to, um, I think it was Alro Steel that laser cut the fascia of the gears out of aluminum sheet, which was glued onto the, the matching set, the body of the gear itself, and they slathered on this fiberglass. I think it was fiberglass, some type of... Um, spackle that they hardened and they sanded it down by hand weeks and weeks you know students are up there in the heat sanding this down you know I had pictures and uh, they brought their game I mean they they delivered when these were installed and the installation itself was the whole story getting the pieces in there getting the forms to fit I mean these pieces were huge I mean it's 10 feet across a gear 10 feet across anyway um, once they were put in I, all I can think of is Disney effect. The type of quality that um, you, you stand there and you just... People would generally ask, they wanted the gears to move. They wanted to see the gears move because they thought they would move. Um, so you walk into the room and here's this enormous work of art hang, you know, coming down from the ceiling. Um, it was very it turned out great. It was very impressive and everybody was was very proud of it and fiscally sound. I mean, it looks like something that design studio would have just six figures. Who knows what it would have cost had we had this done professionally, but it turned out professional looking with all those multiple degrees of expertise on all fronts, bringing their talents to bear. So the CAD lab at LCC West, get your career in gear. Paul once said, life is about using the whole box of crayons. If you want to check out what I've been talking about, just visit this episode at lccconnect.org. Art Happens Here is a production of LCC Connect. Thanks for lending us your imagination. Featuring the staff 
faculty, students, and others that helped to make Lansing's Premier College what it is today. You're listening to LCC Connect. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Laura, that was an amazing meal. The guys really went to town on that leg of lamb. Yeah, thanks, Amy. I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. It's hard to believe how much you and Jim have done with the house in such a short amount of time. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, we love it too. And the kids are really thriving in school here. But... But what? Something's wrong. I know you too well. Jim's company is cutting his salary, and he may even get laid off. He doesn't think we'll be able to afford the mortgage. Oh, Laura. You know what? My cousin Susan and her husband were in a similar situation, but they got some terrific advice for free from a housing counselor from the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. You need to be careful who you can trust these days with so many so-called mortgage consultants out there. The NFCC is nonprofit and has been around for more than 50 years. If you think you're in danger of foreclosure, call the NFCC today at 866-687-6322 or visit mortgagehelpnow.org. That's mortgagehelpnow.org, a public service from the NFCC. This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ Studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.